Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're only a few weeks into the 2022 MLS season, and already we've seen some historic things happen. Uh, I mean, the game down in Charlotte had over 75,000 tickets sold. Would have absolutely sold out in raucous opening night. Uh, the games in the Deep South, an area where people never thought MLS would work, is seeing fantastic attendance. Teams like Austin, teams like Dallas, teams like Atlanta are, are, are taking over like never before. We've seen an influx of, of incredible talent come into the league and an outflux, if that's even a word, of talent leaving the league, talent that was homegrown in MLS and is going on to greener pastures. At the same time, the numbers, the statistics are all pointing to a league that is on the on the rise. And, and it, it's got me wondering, has MLS arrived? Has MLS become the thing that everybody was hoping it would be 25 years ago whenever it got started? To discuss this ascent, to, to talk about how far we've come and not how far we have left to go. I brought on a man who I, I think has his finger on the pulse of, of MLS, the history of MLS. He has probably the best MLS channel on YouTube. He is Danny T of Danny T Radio. Danny, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. I'm a big fan of yours and honored to be on here. Um, Likewise, I man. I won't go so far as to say I'm the best MLS channel, but I do appreciate that coming from That's you. my opinion. That's my opinion. You are the best MLS channel on YouTube. I want to get started with with something that, I mean, it, it was an incredible scene, that, that game at Charlotte. It, it was a game that was built up by the media. Everybody was talking about it. They brought in all the U.S. soccer dignitaries from, from across the land to be at that game, and, and it didn't disappoint. There were 75,000 tickets sold, over 70,000 people in attendance uh, filled up that stadium down in Carolina, and you were there. Can you tell me a little bit about, about what it was like, what the scenes were like in that stadium? Yeah, it was a really cool experience. Um... Because, you know, I've been to a lot of other stadiums and there's passionate fan bases all across the country. But sometimes it does feel like, well, the soccer guys are going to the stadium and, you know, that's it. But with here, the only other time I really experienced this was in Atlanta when it felt like the whole city was behind this. Um, I saw tons of Charlotte FC murals. I didn't expect to see as many as I did. The whole city was decked out in gear, which was really, really cool. Um, and yet everyone was talking about it and it just felt like a big event for the city. And, you know, I'm excited about that because I think, you know, they're not going to open up the top deck every time, but I think this is a team that the city can get behind. And I think we're going to see good attendances continue for this club. There had to be a moment for you as someone who studies so much about the league's history and then American soccer in this country, um, to be sitting in that stadium and kind of take it all in and understand the growth of the league. I mean, I mean you're very familiar with uh, how precarious the situation was 25 years ago and even 20 years ago whenever the league was still growing. Uh, did, did you have a moment there where you kind of reflected on how far the league's come and, and, and where soccer is in this country? The national anthem. Um, I don't know if you saw, but the person's microphone went out. Not Not a great start, but... Immediately, no hesitation, the entire crowd, 75,000 people, 74,400 people, whatever the number was, <laughs> um, started singing the national anthem, like without missing a beat. And when you hear the entire crowd say that or sing that, it's a moment. And you realize like, whoa, this is this is big. Um, and that was really cool. Um, 
And, you know, the rest of the game, there there were points where Charlotte was struggling to get the ball forward, but it didn't really seem like the crowd ever got out of it. They were still as loud as they were from the beginning. So overall, the entire game, it was it was just a really cool experience. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how, how to describe it. I mean, it's, you know, because I've been to some NFL games and this was as big as that. And it's like, wow, like, I didn't think we'd ever see this point. So that was really cool. Football might be over, but MLS is coming back and Champions League and European soccer are in full swing. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage, from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play all your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, the big question is sustainability because mm-hmm. we've seen big crowds in uh in america for soccer games before uh actually the biggest crowds i think were for nasl games whenever pele was playing with the uh, new york cosmos i think he there's like uh i saw keith overman tweeted it out that yeah. uh you know this is this is we've seen this before we've seen yeah. sellout games for uh the the first game in a, for a new team before uh pele had all this in the 70s uh do you it's true. That's that's very true. That NASL, especially specifically the New York Cosmos, had some big attendance games, specifically when Pele was playing. Does this feel different to you? Do you think that Charlotte's going to be able to continue this on? I know that they're not going to have seventy thousand. I know that they're going to close off the upper deck, so it's going to be closer to like thirty thousand, similar to what we see in Atlanta. But do you think that from what you saw in Charlotte, that this is a, a city that's going to uh, that that passion is going to continue to grow for this team? Uh, I, I do. And I think um, I did see that Keith Olverman tweet. It was, uh, you know, had a little bit of sass in that. Um, yeah, I think this was the fourth highest um, match attended match for U.S. teams. I think there's been three Cosmos matches, um, but like two of them were soccer bowls and whatever. Um, but yeah, when you look back at the NASL, that league was so broken. And I mean, I, I made a video about it. Rest in peace, NASL. Um, and it was so top heavy. You had the Cosmos bringing in all these huge numbers. And then you had the New England Minutemen bringing in 2000 people in attendance. And we're not seeing that in MLS. We're, we're seeing the bottom of the barrel still pulling in, you know, 12 to 15,000, not nearly what it needs to be. Um, but the, um, it's much more stable in MLS. And I think a lot of that is because of, the the rules that have been put in place a lot of people hate the dp rule but to be honest it's really leveled out the playing field it's made everyone competitive and it gives everyone a little bit of hope if we didn't have that we'd see the same thing that we saw in the nasl where you know one team would just completely overspend and everyone else not even attempting to play catch up at that point or the teams that do they bring in over the you know over the hill retired european guys And that model is only sustainable for so long. What we're seeing in MLS is now a move towards becoming more of a selling league, which I absolutely think is the right move. It's still important to bring over the big names from Europe 
um, because that is ultimately what's going to draw in the casual fans. Like, you know, the casual fans, if you tell them, hey, there's a 17-year-old Academy product, that's going to be great. No one's going to really care about that. But if we say, hey, Zlatan's coming over, that's going to bring in a lot of people. So there's a nice mixture right now in MLS where you have um, established guys, but also a lot of young and up-and-coming guys who are being sold off for a lot of money, which is you know great for MLS. Yeah, let's talk about some of those some of those guys coming in because you know in years past there was always some big headliner names that would come into the league. You know, you could think of Zlatan, you could think of uh, uh, Giovinco, guys like that 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 came into the league and garnered headlines. This year. There were so many. It, mm-hmm. It's it. I, I, it's hard to even keep track. I wrote a bunch of them down just because uh, I, I couldn't remember them all. I mean, Lorenzo Insigne was probably the biggest name of them all, but uh, Shakiri is also coming in. Douglas Costa at LA Galaxy, who had a great game for the Galaxy this weekend. Hector uh, Herrera, which is going to be massive down for uh, for Houston. These are these are the guys who I think we would consider older established stars that are coming into the league. Um, and that's its own category. But then there's this other category of players that are coming into the league as DPs, which is um, young players from the Latin American leagues, usually from Argentina, Mexico, Brazil. And there's a bunch of these guys coming in too. Diego Almada, uh, Alan Velasco, uh, Facundo Torres. Um, it, it's, it's, there's so many coming into the league. Uh, what, yeah, what has uh, surprised you about the, uh, the, the influx of transfers coming in uh, this season in MLS? Well, I think what I really am liking to see, what I really like to see um, is, you know, in, in years past, these guys were going to L.A. and Atlanta and a little bit of Toronto. But it was like just the big markets. We're finally seeing Houston spend some money. We're finally seeing Chicago spend some money. I mean, before this, before Shakiri, it was Schweinsteiger, which was great. Um, but then it was a bunch of like unknown guys. Um, so we're finally seeing some markets that are stepping up and who haven't stepped up in a long time. Orlando bringing in Torres, the last, you know, okay, they did have Nani. I forgot about him. But, um, you know, Orlando stepping up again. Toronto, they had such a rough year last year. They got a really young squad, but, you know, Insigne's coming in. That's huge. Um, so I, I just like how the wealth is being spread around a little bit more. It's not just the Galaxy anymore. It's not just LAFC anymore. So that gives me hope for the rest of the league that no matter how small the market, you know, maybe big guys are going to start to look towards those markets. It's not just going to be reserved for the Galaxy. So that's exciting. Now, you mentioned Houston, and Houston's a team that's kind of near and dear to my heart because it's the closest team geographically to me. And I think that if we were to take out a map of the uh, the United States and kind of circled which franchises we think would be successful in MLS, we'd probably all circle Houston because it's one of the biggest cities in the country. It has an enormous Latin population. It has an enormous Mexican population. It seems like a city that would be ripe uh, for being just an absolute passionate, massive MLS franchise. But we haven't seen that. We haven't seen that over the last few years. Now, Houston does have new ownership. Uh, Ted Siegel's come in, and they've made a huge splash going after Hector Herrera. Uh, what's going on with Houston? Do you think that they're going to be able to turn it around in the next few years under new ownership? I'm so glad you brought that up because Houston is like, they're the best example of what happens when you have the right guys in charge. Because, um, you know, you mentioned everything that you mentioned, you know, being so close 
um, and having that Latin influence. I think before this point, I could be wrong, but I think the stat that I read was in their entire history, they only had like three marquee Mexican players for a city like Houston. I mean, they, they should have way more than that. So yeah, bringing in Hector Herrera um, and, you know, they also bring in Ferreira up top. He hasn't, you know, exactly, the team hasn't exactly figured out how to, you know, utilize him the right way, but it, it's so exciting because this is a team that honestly, they were kind of like a dead franchise. Like I talked to a lot of fans um, and they were fed up with it. No one was going to the games. You know, they were constantly lowest payroll or around the lowest. And now there's finally some excitement being pumped into this team. And it's awesome. And I absolutely think Houston can be one of the top teams in MLS. They got to start winning first. Uh, They got to start scoring goals first. Um, And once you do that, I think more and more fans will start to flock into the stadium and also signings like Hector Herrera. Um, But yeah, super excited about Houston. I'm just super happy for the fan base because this is one that has just been, you know, stuck in the mud of mediocrity and inconsistency. They might have one good year. They might have a year where they win a U.S. Open Cup, but then the next year they'd be, you know, back to the bottom of the West. And I think finally we might see some sustained success from this team. Probably not this year. They're probably still a year off uh, just looking at their roster. But this is a team that I'm super excited for and just really happy for the fans. Yeah, you look at what's going on in Austin, not too far away from Houston, and just the way that that city's taken to that team and and the the, uh, environment and the atmosphere that they have in that stadium. And and you wonder, like, why can't Houston replicate that? I I have a lot of friends in Houston, and whenever I ask them about the Dynamo, they always say, like, it's a beautiful stadium. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's fun going to the games, but nobody, I don't know a lot of people that go to the games. Um, There's not, you just don't feel that support from the team. And it's, it's really disappointing. And I, I'm really excited to see what happens when Ache Ache gets there. uh, And and if he can breathe some life into this franchise and turn it around. Now, speaking of franchises that are not, uh, when we talk about the franchises that are doing really well in MLS, it tends to be some of the newer franchises. We talk about Austin FC. We talk about Atlanta United. We talk about, even the Seattle Sounders and Portland Timbers, these are all uh, expansion teams. But if we talk about some of the some of the brands and some of the teams that are kind of uh floundering i mean you mentioned chicago earlier uh the big picture that was floating around this weekend was the comparison between Mm -hmm. the new england revolution home game versus the charlotte home game new england was an original mls team uh they in their uh uh, nfl stadium barely could get any of that lower bowl filled in uh not great attendance there's there's this uh theory going around that some of the original mls teams have they were never really welcomed in in the early 90s into their cities and they can't seem to overcome that that hump uh, to, to get back to win that city over where some of these newer franchises come in with a ton of energy and it's just a different feeling, different emotion. Uh, what's going on with these some, some of these original MLS teams, uh, some of these, these franchises that just can't seem to get over that hump? Uh, what, what's it going to take to get these guys to... to, to take over their cities and, and, and become as big as say, uh, Atlanta, uh, Seattle, Portland, some of these other franchises that we all point to as like, they're doing it well. Well, you're absolutely right about that. Um, and I think one of the biggest thing MLS needs to work on is not just bringing in the right expansion teams. I mean, hell, we're going to be at 30 soon. How, how much higher can we possibly get? You know, instead of bringing in the right teams, it's fixing some of the old teams and some of the teams do need fixing. 
New England Revolution, they won the Supporter Shield last year. They were the best team, you know, by a points basis in MLS history last season. And they only replaced one guy this year. They should be selling out that stadium or, you know, at least bringing in more than what they brought in. And uh, it, it wasn't a pretty sight. When you do see the two pictures side by side, it, it is it is something. Um, now, a lot of that is their stadium location. It's tough to get there. And they play at a day, you know, day game and day games historically just don't have nearly as high as attendance as the night games. But even still, a lot can be done to fix these older teams. Now, I look at a team like Kansas City. Kansas City Wizards, when they played uh, at Arrowhead and then when they played at Community America Ballpark, they were struggling to get 10,000 fans. It was even worse than what uh, we got going on right now. New ownership comes in. They rebrand the team, Sporting Kansas City. Everyone laughs at the name, and I still laugh at it. It's still kind of wonky. But they just fix some things. They bring in a high-profile exhibition against Manchester United. They win that game. That kind of gets some of the, the city to believe in this team. And a couple years later, they now are sporting Kansas City, one of the best-supported teams in MLS. So again, going back to Houston, a lot of it is just having the right people in charge. Houston, they got a beautiful stadium in you know, basically downtown Houston, but there hasn't been anything to excite this team. You get that, you get that, um, you know, that exciting player, you get that consistent results. And I think you will start to see, you know, more people attend those games. Um, with New England, it's, it's still kind of a tough situation. They got a lot to compete with. Okay. They got the Patriots, Celtics, um, Bruins, whatever. Um, but yeah, they are still sort of an afterthought in that city. So I think it's it's twofold. One, it's the team doing the right job and um, making sure they're consistently successful. And two, it's the league putting more resources in those teams. It's 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 kind of easy to be the new kid on the block and be the new shiny toy, but you still need to focus on some of the older teams, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know that you're a big uh, Chicago Fire fan, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's it's, it's one been, of those franchises. What's going on with Chicago? Rough. Yeah. Um, so they had a, a stadium, um, Seat Geek Stadium, um, which back in the day, it was kind of like a race to build soccer specific stadiums. Hey, as long as we got a 20,000 soccer seat, soccer specific stadium, we're good. Well, now, you know, years later, we're kind of realizing, OK, that's not all you need. You still need to market this team correctly. You still need to um, be a consistent winner. You still need to have you need to be in a good location. And with Chicago, the stadium is all the way down in Bridgeview. That is a long commute. And when you have those Wednesday games and if you're working in the city, you're not making it to those games. So they moved back to Soldier Field, which originally I thought was the right move. However, the first couple seasons, it hasn't looked great. Uh, you still have the football lines on the field, which just just looks really amateurish. Um, and they just you know, went through a terrible rebrand that everyone universally panned and that kind of steered away some fans. But they're working on rectifying that situation. They rebranded again. Uh, they bring in Shakiri. They got, uh, you know, head coach in um, Ezra Hendrickson, who's been around the league. And so hopefully he can you know, pump some energy and excitement into this team. So Chicago, like Houston, they're a long-term project, but I think they can get there. I think they can become, you know, top teams in this league. And that's one of the great things about MLS is that 
you can turn it around pretty quickly. Sometimes teams, you know, like Chicago, like FC Cincinnati, they're down in the mud for a long time. But in this league, just given the way it is with the parity and with the rules and how you could change it, you could turn it around really relatively quickly. So hopefully that happens with Chicago. Um, Chicago's a great soccer city. It's just not a great MLS city. And that's what they're working on right now is, is figuring that out. Um, yeah, one we, thing that frustrates me, though, is like I fly out of O'Hare a lot and there's zero Chicago Fire memorabilia at O'Hare. You got every other team, but they can't sell a single Chicago Fire shirt. I, I don't know who does, who's to blame on that one, but I just think the marketing for Chicago and several other MLS teams needs to be better. It's it's interesting. It's interesting how in some cities it just takes over and it and becomes uh, such a big part of the community in the city and in other cities, especially the ones where it's been around for a long time. It just doesn't seem to take hold. Um, frustrating. And, and yeah, I think stadiums a big part of that and just ownership. And we've seen it all. But we've also seen teams go from the bottom to the top. We've seen teams go from the top to the bottom. Uh, one thing that you mentioned was expansion, and I know you didn't hear this interview because you were in the stadium, but at halftime, uh, Alexi Lawless interviewed Don Garber, uh, and he did ask him about expansion. Um, the big question is, you know, MLS is approaching 30, uh, 30 teams. Are they going to keep going? And uh, Don Garber's answer, as you would imagine, was a little bit coy, a little mm-hmm. bit uh, noncommittal, um, and he kind of talked about uh, how there's a lot of, cities out there that are interested in joining into the league. What do you think is the future of expansion in the league? Do you think it's going to stop at 30? Do you think it's going to go beyond that? If it goes beyond that, do you see some type of divisions happening? How, how do you see it playing out? Man, I've got no idea. That is one that is just, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I certainly don't see it stopping at 30. But, you know, when you have teams like Charlotte willing to pay $350 million for the expansion fee, that helps out a lot. Um, and these newer teams are the ones that are right now the most successful. Um, and you know, what's the best look for the league when you put those games on TV. But as far as where I see this number stopping, I I have no idea. I know Las Vegas is looking pretty, you know, pretty much a sure thing that that's going to happen. But I think Phoenix could also make a great market. Um, Louisville right now, they've got a beautiful stadium in USL and they've been so successful down there. I think if they just tweak some things down there, they can possibly be an MLS. There's so many markets. And that's, that's one of the most exciting things about this league is that everyone wants to join, but eventually it will get to a point where how much is too much. And I'm not talking about diluting the talent. I mean, we're talking about the world here. There's plenty of amazing soccer players around the world. And, you know, MLS will find them. But when you get up to, I don't know, 34, 38, 40 teams, you're not going to be able to play everyone. So do you have to have like an Eastern League and a Western League? I That idea I hate on paper because I want to be able to see my team play Western Conference teams and vice versa. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, when you have the big expansion fees and when those teams are bringing in the most money uh it is i can see the dilemma where it's tough to tough to stop at just 30 because we heard that 20 once the league hits 20 teams that was it no more okay well just kidding now it's gonna be 22 no 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 actually 24 okay well actually 28 we're up to 30 i definitely do not think it's gonna stop at 30 but 
I don't, I don't know what they do. Um, it is interesting. Um, and the tough thing about it is that promotion relegation, I don't think is, is possible at least, you know, going from, you know, MLS to USL to lower division, just because these teams pump in so much money, $300 million expansion fee. Why would you risk that you have a system in place? But could we see something where there's an MLS one, an MLS two, and just have like interleague promotion relegation that way? I I don't know. But if you keep adding teams, I mean, you can't have fifty teams and have it be a sustainable league. So that that is, I I wish I had a better answer for you, man. But I I got no idea how this one's going to shake out. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's getting to be one of the biggest leagues in the world. Um, at the rate that it's going, I, I saw I was watching one of your videos recently, and you mentioned a uh, single entity, uh, and, and you mentioned that you you hope that single entity wouldn't be around forever in MLS. That mm-hmm. eventually they would move on from that. Uh, what what do you think could could be the future past single entity? Um, you know, a, a single entity was absolutely necessary in the beginning. You know, because how many soccer leagues have come in this country and have gone under Um, and single entity helped, you know, prop up the teams that were struggling and helped them put on a equal playing field. But I think we're getting to a point where that's not as necessary, where I think teams will be able to start surviving on their own. It's not going to take, you know, money from other teams. Um, But that's a hard thing to let go of, you know, it'd be, it's a hard thing to to introduce promotion relegation to say like, yeah, I know you spent all this money on this team. I know we haven't had it for 25 years, but we're going to implement it now to say, yeah, we're no longer going to be single entity. That would be really tough to tough to convince the owners too. But I think, I think we're much more likely to see that happen than the promotion relegation argument um, because we are getting to a point where teams are going to become sustainable um we're no longer renting stadiums um like in the early 2000s late 90s um and even situations where it's like atlanta and carolina well both those owners own those teams so there's no renting going on they're able to play in those stadiums just fine um i'm I'm probably rambling here a little bit but um as far as what it's going to take I I just think it's it's going to take time, and I just think there needs to be uh, a concrete plan for the future. It's not going to be something that's going to happen anytime soon, like next year or the next couple of years. It's ten years down the road. If we start, you know, making a plan now, I, I think that is something that we could see possibly. It's interesting what with, with the expansion that's going on with the amount of uh, cities out there that want to be a part of, of, of Major League Soccer, want a franchise. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out in the future. Uh, one thing that is an uh, ongoing conversation in the league and probably has been since it started and, and now more so than ever is this relationship between uh, MLS and Liga MX. Um there has been a lot of dancing, a lot of flirting between the two leagues, and, and it's really sped up in recent years. Um, I, I read some comments from the commissioner of Liga Mekis regarding MLS talking about 
the future of MLS, how it is continuing to grow, how they see that uh, with with its financial footing being so stable that it could potentially start siphoning players away from Liga Amekis, and Liga Amekis is really worried about this, uh, and, and they feel like the best way forward for Liga Amekis is to be um, to grow with MLS, to to uh, have like a symbiotic relationship where where they're in it together, and we've seen uh, evidence of that all over the place with the. Uh, the League Cup with uh, the the CONCACAF Champions League with the MLS Liga Mekis All Star Game. Uh, what are your thoughts on this 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 relationship that's been growing between Liga Mekis and MLS? And do you think uh, we're not too far away from MLS becoming uh, the preeminent league in North America? Uh, well, I do think the the relationship is to an extent, necessary, um, because I agree with what he's saying. I agree that MLS is taking a lot of these Liga MX players, and there's a lot of money, potential money, to be had in this league. But let's let's not, you know, make no mistakes. Liga MX is still very much above MLS, and it's not just talking about results in CONCACAF Champions League. Um, when I first heard that the two leagues were thinking about merging, I hated that idea. I hated it. But then it came out that, oh, well, actually, it's going to be like just an expanded leagues cup where you have these, you know, every team involved. I love that idea. I want to see more of that around the world. Um, I, I think that has potential to really catch on. And maybe we will see um, other types of leagues cups around the world. Maybe we're just going to be the guinea pig for it. I'm fine with that. Um, but as far as, you know, do I see MLS overtaking Liga MX? Um, not anytime soon, to be honest. I mean, you know, and it's not even going to happen like when MLS eventually wins the CCL, which it will happen eventually. But even when they win it once, Liga MX is going to say, okay, well, we've won it the last 11, 12 years. So it's something that could happen. It's not anytime soon, but I think that's okay. I think MLS, um, understands that for now, but they're continuing to grow. Liga MX is, to an extent, kind of remaining a little stagnant. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the relationship between both leagues is a good thing. They're making each other stronger. So, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned CONCACAF Champions League, and it's something that it feels like it grows in importance every year. It, it feels like more and more people are tuned in uh, wanting to see that, wanting to see how MLS stacks up against these uh, Liga Mekis teams. Uh, it continues. We, we see the same thing every year that a lot of these MLS teams can kind of keep up with Liga Mekis teams for the first, you know, 60 minutes of a game. But whenever it comes to substitutions, uh, Liga Mekis just has depth that MLS can't keep up with. And that's whenever uh, we see the team start to pull away. Um what what are your thoughts on CONCACAF Champions League? Do you think that uh, do you see that as a tournament that has a lot of opportunity for growth? Do you kind of think that we're we're about where it's gonna where it's always gonna be? Well, before I do that, and I don't want to like pivot here, um, but one thing I'm excited about the Leagues Cup is that we're gonna be able to see the bottom tier teams take on the bottom tier teams because with CCL, it's you know the champions taking on the champions. But what does it look like when it's, you know, middle pack and bottom tiers taking on each other? So that's, that's something I'm point. really excited about League's Cup. We're going to, you know, really get more of a, um, you know, measuring stick where, you know, between the two leagues. So that's something I'm super excited about. But with CCL, yeah, MLS, 
Oh, a lot of heartbreak there. A lot of a lot of close runs that just haven't, you know, culminated in lifting that trophy. Um, the 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 Champions League is continuing to grow among fans. I just don't think it gets enough um, exposure, um, and that's that's a you know argument with all of MLS. Is you know, besides the soccer fans, people aren't talking about it enough. You know, NYCFC wins MLS Cup. They'll talk about it for two minutes, okay, but then they'll talk twice as long about LeBron scoring 25 points in a, you know, regular season game. So MLS as a whole needs to um, become more mainstream uh, among people that aren't just soccer people. And CCL goes along with that. Um, with that being said, I'm, I, I love CCL, and I love that more fans are getting invested into it. So it is growing and i like that i just want to see it grow faster if that makes sense yeah it's it's interesting i know people care a lot about watching mls teams play liga mekis teams but not so much care about watching mls teams play costa rican teams or honduran mm-hmm. teams or, or other teams in the region uh although we get a lot of really cool stories, really interesting storylines that come out of these uh, CONCACAF Champions League games. I, I remember a few years ago that, that Philadelphia Union game where there was that crazy hard foul yeah. uh, and Philly got just as cockacaf as possible in that game. And it was just a, a, a really cool moment. And it also, you know, this is a, a U.S. Men's National Team channel, and I do appreciate that these players in, in MLS get this opportunity to go to these regions and play in these stadiums and get a taste of what it's like playing away in CONCACAF with their club team. So the only time they do it is not when, when they're with the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, I think it just adds to uh, the savvy and the worldliness of these players, and it's a, it's a great experience across the board. But yeah, as you said, even myself, someone who is a admitted soccer lunatic, uh, soccer, just it's my life and my passion. I still struggle to find out when these games are and, and what channel they're going to be on and what time they are. Uh, I go to MLS's website on, on weeknights just to see, like, is there a game tonight? Am I missing one? Because you're right. It's just it's not something that gets publicized that often. And it shouldn't be that hard to do. Like, th- this should be something that, you know, people know about. I I think these games got to be like front page of ESPN plus. And I know it's not just on CCL. It's not just on MLS, like, okay, ESPN, Fox sports, like they got to, you know, pump up the league a little bit more too, but that is something that I really, really do want to see. And, you know, one thing else I'll add about CCL is that, you know, when we talk about bringing in players to MLS, there's a lot of CONCACAF guys um, that are capable of playing in this league. Eloy Room uh, from the Keeper for Columbus, he started off, I think that's how he was really discovered, was the CCL. And then he gets his chance with, uh, with Columbus. Um, and there, there's just so much undiscovered talent, not just in America. We know that's a problem, but um, it's not just from Mexico. It's not just from Europe, but from Costa Rica, from Honduras, there's a lot of players. Um, Albert Elise, you know, probably the easiest example. I mean, he played for Houston for a long time. Now he's, you know, playing in Europe and he's a starter for his national team. And there's a lot more Albert Elises out there. And uh, you probably don't see them all until you play in CCL. That's where you get kind of, you know, your best shot at looking at some of these guys that you wouldn't normally see without this tournament. Now let's let's switch gears a little bit and uh, talk about 
the detractors of MLS because U.S. soccer is in an interesting state where um, soccer is tremendously popular in this country. All the stories came out about it being one of the most rising popular sports, popular among the youth. Uh, But the thing is, is that MLS is the third most popular league in this country behind Liga Mekis and the Premier League. Uh, there's a lot of soccer fans in this country that aren't MLS fans. And there's a lot of soccer fans in this country that don't like MLS, actively loathe it, actively uh, dislike it. Uh, as someone who is a uh, is a reported, um, uh, unapologetic MLS fan, what do you think that these fans miss about the league? What do you think that they get wrong about the league? Well... As far as the question, has has MLS arrived? And I know that's kind of the the whole point of this video. Um, the answer is no, it hasn't. But it's I, I will confidently say it is in route. We're getting there. You know, you see how much the league has uh, improved, not just over the last 27 seasons, but over the last 10 seasons, over the last five seasons. The growth is, is remarkable. And, it, you know, a lot of people that hate this league it's one thing to not like um okay how do i want to say this um so mls is not on the same level as epl it's not on the level as the same level as liga mx i'm a mls diehard fan and even i have no problem admitting that and if you don't want to watch a league that is not as high of a level okay i understand that um but some of these other things like hating the league because it doesn't have uh, or because it has playoffs. I'm just like, playoffs are the greatest thing about this league. I wish every league in the world had playoffs. Um, yeah, still celebrate the regular season champion. But I, I think EPL, I think Bundesliga, Serie A, some of these leagues where the championship is decided two weeks before the final game, I think if you add a four-team or eight-team playoff, that would do so much for the league. And I don't know why they're so um why they're so stubborn against it um not to go off on a tangent here but one of the reasons why i got so into mls um was christmas one year i got fifa 2000 uh and you couldn't play leagues in mls but you could play um like epl and okay so i played epl i chose arsenal for some reason i played the entire season and I was so excited for the end. I was like, oh, my God, I, we're going to make the playoffs. We're in second place. You know, we're not going to win the league. We're going to be we're going to make the playoffs. And then the season just ended. <laughs> and I was so mad. I was like, what's going on? And this is back when I was like eight or nine years old. I was really ignorant to the rest of the world. I didn't understand how big soccer was and how little it was in America. But I was just so confused. Why? Why wouldn't a league have playoffs? And um you know, my brother told me, like, no, it's not just this game. It's like everyone in Europe, like, they just don't have it. And that just really stuck with me. Like, why don't these leagues do this? And um, it's not just that, but it's the all-star game. It's it's the wonky DP rules. It's, it's everything. I, I love it. And a lot of people just can't get over that because it's not the norm. It's not traditional. And I just think you got to give it a chance because... I think it's extremely entertaining. Um, I don't know. You know, there's a uh, there's a meme going on right now 
where it's you know there's like this one guy that says mls sucks and there's just a crowd that's like okay and then they just keep talking with each other um and that's kind of my energy that i'm taking into it now like we're always going to have people that criticize the league that's okay um and there's a lot of valid reasons to criticize the league but there's also a lot of reasons to give this league a chance and the biggest one is just the sheer entertainment factor of how stupid some of these games end um, and the drama within the team. So I guess that's my answer. Just give the league a chance because of how ridiculous it is sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's been reports that the Bundesliga has been considering playoffs has, has talked about implementing. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. One of the fascinating things for me is in this American soccer culture, you know, we, we have such an inferiority complex when it comes to the rest of the world and how they do things in soccer. Uh, and we're always talking about implementing things that they do over there here in, in Major League Soccer. And that's, you know, that's the DP rule, that's salary caps, that's promotion relegation, that's, that's, that's everything from the chance in the stadium to, you know, just mm-hmm. absolutely everything. The, the fan culture, just everything across the board, we compare it and we dissect it and we, we find it lacking because it's not what they have over there. But I always find it interesting that we don't talk about all the ways that American sports culture is influencing the game in Europe and influencing the game across the world. And we're seeing that a lot uh, in a lot of different ways. Usually it manifests itself in ways that the the fans do not like, like the European Super League, which is uh, rearing its ugly head once again. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's teams that are uh, looking at bringing in uh, this Super League that's going to uh, essentially operate as a single entity, closed off, le- not single entity, but a closed off league uh, that will potentially have some uh, some salary caps and things that will allow these clubs to uh, compete with some of the super owners that have come into the league or come into world soccer, uh, which is just absolutely fascinating. And another thing that we're seeing is um, is this blowback that's occurring right now with Chelsea and Roman Abramovich? Uh, of course, we all know what's what's going on in uh, with Russia and the Ukraine right now, and and Roman Abramovich is looking to sell Chelsea and just all the political implications and everything that's kind of falling out because of that. It's just a it's a really interesting thing, and you compare that with MLS, which is single entity, which you know if. If there was something going on with one of the owners, they could actually kick the owner out of the league. Uh, we haven't seen that take place yet, but it's something that could potentially happen. Whereas in Europe, it's it's a whole lot more complicated. It's just it's a it's a really interesting discussion. It's really layered, and it's something that I find fascinating. Um, but but I do think that it's important, um, in, in, which is the basis of this discussion. It's important not to look at comparing MLS to the EPL or comparing MLS to the Bundesliga and looking at how far we have left to go, but instead to kind of look back at where the league was in the mid-90s and think about how far that the league has come. I mean, if you would have said in the mid-90s, whenever the NHL was was probably at its peak in the mid-90s, at least for me uh, personally, um, to say that MLS would be on that same level 
in 25 years, I mean, people would have said you're crazy. There's no way that this this league with these silly logos and these silly uniforms uh, are, is going to ever get to that level. And yet here we are. And I, I think that that's something to be proud of and to be something that should be excited. People should be excited about. And, and it just blows my mind that people still doubt this league and still doubt that there's going to be growth whenever the only thing that this league has ever known is growth. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with with everything. Um, as far as like uh, the Super League is concerned, a lot of people were drawing comparisons between the Super League and MLS. And the big thing I would say to that is, no, I mean, MLS started off as single entity, as a closed league. This was always the plan. And when the Super League, you got teams like Arsenal, Tottenham, you know, no offense to those fans. You guys haven't won anything in years. Why isn't Leicester City being involved in this? Like they're, they've been more successful than you guys. So clearly. That is all a strictly a money thing. Let's get all the um, fat cats involved and make as much money as we can. I think I saw something earlier about um, Barcelona creating their own cryptocurrency to help them get out of debt. I, I don't know. Help explain that one to me because I don't get that. But yeah, you know, MLS has come a long way. It's obviously got a very long way to go. Um, but I am proud of this league. You know, I, I am a MLS fanboy, if you will. And um, there was a lot of years in the early 2000s when it didn't look like this league was going to was going to make it. And just with some tinkering of the rules and, you know, a lot of things that get mocked by, you know, other people, um, it's helped. It's helped this league survive. Now, do I think these these rules have to be permanent? Do I think some of these rules can be abolished over the years? I do think that. Um, I, I don't think we're going to... I don't think the single entity is going to be necessary years down the road. I'm not even sure the DP rule will be um, necessary down the road. I think we do have to raise the salary cap. But when we're first starting off, I, I think, yeah, all those rules were critical for helping this league survive but we're now getting past the point of surviving and slowly moving into that you know phase of thriving um again do i think we're there no do i think we're in route i, I do so i'm really excited about that yeah it, there's there's a one thing that we really haven't talked about that much in this conversation is uh is the amount of players at MLS is is outputting to some of the big leagues in Europe. And I kind of wrote down some of the names that just went out last year. Ricardo Pepe, George Bello, Cole Bassett, Kevin Paredes, and Daryl DK uh, are just some of the guys that, that transferred out of MLS. Some of the Americans, at least, that transferred out of MLS to go to these bigger clubs. And, and the fascinating thing about a lot of these guys, I think um, maybe withstanding Ricardo Pepe, maybe Daryl DK, uh, but for like Kevin Paredes, Cole Bassett, George Bello, these guys didn't leave the league for a tremendous amount of money. Uh, it wasn't massive signing fees. Uh, what they will be getting is bigger contracts, more money. It, they'll probably be doubling their salaries, maybe even more than that, uh, playing in these, in these bigger leagues in Europe. Uh, but the interesting thing is, 
the the big thing looming over MLS uh, in the coming season is at the end of the season they're going to have this uh, this this television deal that's mm-hmm. going to potentially just change everything that we know about MLS. We've seen over the last few years with the um, the Spanish league just got a huge TV deal in the U.S. Uh, U.S. Soccer just negotiated a big deal uh, with with HBO and TNT, uh, but MLS is the last one. MLS is still operating off of this super small television deal now tv ratings is is one thing that the league still needs to improve upon there's no doubt about that it's still across the board that the ratings still need to improve but that being said uh, a lot of these uh, streaming networks and tv networks are investing heavily in soccer right now and investing heavily on on like um, sports that could be big in the future and 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 the way that um soccer is showing statistically with the younger generations makes it seem like soccer is going to be a very valuable prospect uh in the future but i i do wonder when this negotiation happens and the league uh has more money across the board teams are you they're able to raise the salary cap and pay players more are we going to have a, an issue a, a thing happen where guys like uh cole bassett and george bellow kevin Pereira, some of these young stars mls is going to be able to retain them for a season or two longer and, and that's just going to build on the excitement i mean imagine how much more exciting uh this season would be if you knew that kevin paredes would be at dc united and you get to see him for another season or, or cole bassett or something like that that tv deal is just it it just it just looms large over everything and it's just going to change i i think it's going to be a huge huge change to to everything that we know about the league as of right now yeah um okay there, there's there's a lot uh to unpack <laughs> so um as far as like uh the players going out i i absolutely and i say this a hundred times over it is a good thing that this league is becoming a selling league absolutely that is the direction that we need to go in now a lot of people don't like that um you know we're losing our stars that you know we we need to have more household names i get that um and maybe there needs to be a little bit of a better mix in there. I don't know. But, um, you know, I look at a guy like Joseph Martinez in Atlanta. I'm so happy he's staying in Atlanta, by the way. But um, what would be a better look for the league if he broke the single season or not single season, the you know overall career goals mark and, you know, became an Atlanta United legend? Or if he got sold back to Serie A and he, you know, killed it there and he did a great job there or EPL? Probably the latter. The league would probably get a better, um, you know, people would probably look at the league more favorably if we sold the star players and they performed well in the bigger leagues because that's more of, um, you know, more of the realization like, oh, wow, MLS can produce these big-time players. Um, So, yes, we do have to continue selling players, even if that means, you know, losing some of our favorite guys. Um, The TV deal... uh, Really interesting that U.S. men's national team is going towards TNT and HBO Max. Who saw that one coming? Because uh, for years and years, it's been ESPN and Fox Sports. Um, CBS came in and everyone loved Deuce on there and, and their crew. Um, but I, I think this is good. I think competition is a good thing. And who knows? Maybe, you know, whoever they bring in on TNT, I, I haven't read yet who um, the, the broadcast crew is going to be. But maybe they knock it out of the park. Maybe they do an amazing job. Maybe they put a little bit more pressure on ESPN and on Fox Sports. Like, whoa, like they're putting in all this effort. The ratings are great. 
Maybe we have to do that now with soccer. Maybe we have to start marketing them more because MLS definitely has the problem of not enough marketing. I would even say that the U.S. men's national team a little bit has that problem. So maybe it does improve with TNT and with HBO Max. And as far as MLS's new TV deal, yeah, it, it's huge. It's It's got to be big because um, the TV deal, a lot of money for the league, but also it, it dictates um, just how many eyeballs are going to be on this league. Because as it stands right now, you have the national game on Sunday on ESPN, and then you have a game on Fox Sports. And, you know, you might have one on Saturday or during the week. But then that's it. Then you have to basically have ESPN Plus in order to be a, a connected fan to this league in order to really watch everything. If we can get more games on TV, I do think the ratings will raise because part of the problem is that I hear a lot of the time is, oh, I just didn't know these games were on. You know, I didn't know there was a game on at 3 p.m. on a Sunday. I didn't know that it was my team. People don't know that. So, you know, if we get more games on TV and if we get more marketing, you know, pushing eyes to those games, I do think we'll see the ratings rise dramatically. So, yeah, I, I am very um, cautiously optimistic. I'm nervous about this uh, new TV deal. I hope it's I hope it's huge. I hope it's a nuclear bomb for MLS, um, and it could potentially be. It's a, it's an incredibly exciting time to be a U.S. soccer fan, to be an MLS fan, to be a fan of soccer in general in this country. There's so many things happening uh, in so many different avenues. Uh, Danny, I think this is where we're going to wrap it up. I want you to take a second to tell everybody where they can find your content. Um, so, you know, I got the YouTube channel, Danny T radio, and then I've got the Twitter Danny T radio. I probably have to do more. I probably got to, you know, my wife is always getting on my back. Like, Oh, you should really have like Instagram. You should really have TikTok. And I just, I don't know. I'm not, I don't, I'm not savvy enough to work those. So as of right now, it's, it's YouTube and, um, and, uh, Twitter. I'm having a big brain fart now. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. But, I, I jumped into those TikTok waters myself. I, I made a couple of TikToks and I was just like, uh, I, I uh, made, you know, I made one TikTok. It wasn't like uh, for Danny T Radio. It was like something else. And it got like 100 views. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know if I can keep doing this. It's just, I don't know. I got to figure it out, though. I, I appreciate TikTok as a platform. Mm -hmm. My issue is whenever I get on to TikTok, I, it just like eats away like half an hour of my life. Oh, yeah. So I try to just stay away from the app. Uh, and, and that includes me putting content on it, even <laughs> though it's it's probably a really good thing. Anyway, you let's know, stop there's, being there's old dudes so talking many, about TikTok. There's so many of these social media apps. I'll just wait for the next one. Like, you know, <laughs> Instagram and TikTok, eventually they'll go away, right? Like, I'll, I'll be one of the first ones on the new one, though. So be on the lookout for that where, whenever it might come. Guys, Danny is like 300 subscribers away from 10,000. So yeah, I know close. over 300 people are going to watch this video that aren't subscribed <laughs> to Danny's channel. Go subscribe to Danny's channel. Help him hit that landmark. Uh, that's absolutely huge. And his content is fantastic if you haven't seen it already. Uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about MLS, the history of MLS, uh, he is the, the place to go for that. Guys, thank you so much for watching. If you haven't subscribed yet, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, become a member, all that good stuff. You can check out all this content on the Yank Report podcast. For Danny T Radio, my name is Sam, and this is the Yank Report brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.